Hello and welcome to the Francisca Show. It's so exciting to be back here, and we have an awesome guest from Israel by the name of Raquel Arise. She is our first dancer on the show. Well, actually, Sarah Zier is a dancer, but she primarily had other things going on also. But this is our first hip hop dancer and super cool dancer at, from Teaneck, New Stop Jersey. <laughs> from Teaneck, New Jersey, <laughs> a bus ride away from New York City, where she studied at the world known Broadway Dance Center with teachers including Chio Yamada, Efra Asheri, Luam, and others. In the summer of 2007, Raquel made Aliyah to Israel and is there to stay. She travels all over Israel performing, teaching hip-hop workshops and classes and leaves her mark wherever she goes. She's often, often stopped on the streets for her acting roles in the Haredi movies Sandal Castles and Zahav. As a mompreneur... Of two toddlers, Raquel has recently taken on new ventures, including e-commerce and vlogging. Her family's travels around the world. One thing is for sure, she's always creating and hustling. So welcome to the show. So good to have you here. Thanks for having me. This is such an honor, and I'm so, so excited to be the uh, second dancer, maybe the first <laughs> dance teacher. You're the first Could exclusive dancer. Okay, there you go. So I'm very honored to fill that role. I'm really excited. That's awesome. So let's start a little bit about your childhood and background and how you got into dance. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I was never a dancer growing up, like ever, when I was a little kid. What? I was more the athlete and just really strived in gym class. And in sixth grade, we had this um, project that we had to do to choreograph a dance. And somehow, I have no clue how, I ended up being the choreographer of my group. And I just fell in love. And that was it for me. I just had bright eyes, hearts in my eyes, like the emoji, and just couldn't stop watching videos and just getting a wider vocabulary in dance. But only hip-hop. I had no clue what ballet and modern or any other style was really about. I just had eyes for hip-hop. And then once I hit 11th grade, um, I had already had a reputation of being the dancer um, throughout uh, elementary school and high school. And um, I got this tip to go check out the studio in New York City, which was, as you mentioned before, a bus ride away. So I go into these classes and I'm just in shock and kind of upset that I haven't been taking these classes for my entire childhood because they were amazing. They were challenging. I was the worst one in the class, and it gave me so much motivation to just up my game and um, just get there in front, of the, in front of the class in the first row. And um, that was the beginning of my hustling career. And um, I just worked hard on it and got better at it. So and how kept old watching were you? More, and more videos. So that how? was 11th grade. I was 17 then. Wow. You were already making money from dancing? No, 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 no. Well, actually, it's funny that you asked that because my – I simultaneously started teaching when I started training in the studio. And um, it was at my mom's yoga dance studio. Ooh. And it was just, um, it was like for fun. I probably made some cash, but it wasn't really for the cash. It was more for the experience. Um, I had other jobs like here and there. I don't even remember what I was doing back then. But this was really just to gain knowledge in how to teach. 
Um, I already knew that I loved teaching and um, I happened to be good at it. So I said, why don't I uh, start teach? I start to teach uh, hip hop classes and I had the opportunity. So I took it at my mom's studio and it's all history from there. Just kept on teaching. That's amazing. It's so cool that you you found your your love for teaching so early on and clearly you were very good at it and you figured it out. So that's really amazing. You mentioned your mother has her own studio. So she correct? had her own um, yoga studio that she opened up called Nishima Yoga um, Studio. Um, it was in Bogota, New Jersey, and um, it was open for many years. And then she decided to close it and she is now an educational consultant as well as a uh, kids yoga training a trainer. And she runs these courses for um, adults to become kids yoga teachers. Teacher. That's there so you go. cool. Did you, go, cool. did you go to yoga <laughs> growing up? Did your mother make I, you? <laughs> it's so funny because my mom helped spark my career by giving me that platform to teach in her studio. And I actually asked my, my mom was, uh, was a yogi, like just for fun. And, um, when I was in elementary school, I asked her, can you come and teach me and my friends in a club an after school club in our school? And she said, yeah. And that was the beginning of her yoga career. So it was kind of like you scratch my bag, I'll scratch yours kind of thing with my mom. It was really awesome. And that kind of really jumpstarted her love for teaching yoga. That's very cool. I, I like, I like that scratching in the back thing <laughs> that you, yeah. both, you both helped each other's <laughs> careers, um, you know, happen yeah. and start kickstart, you know, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So your journey clearly leads you to Israel. And I know from my secret information, well, I've also met you that you married a Russian speaking person, which um, brings yeah. it down, <laughs> brings it back into circle full circle. So how did you meet him? And did that happen before you made Aliyah after? So how, it how was your journey like getting into Israel? Aliyah. Oh, okay. Um, so it happened way, like we met um, when I was 25. And I made Aliyah when I was 21. Um, I had been in Israel two years prior of making Aliyah in seminary and doing Shirt Lumi. Um, fun fact, I actually did Shirt Lumi in a dance studio in a nonprofit dance studio that I just somehow worked out. I asked the right people and they said yes. And I was able to do Shirt Lumi there. And, I love um, that, doing and your service can... with your profession. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> Everyone should find a way to do their service in something they're passionate about and good at. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. And, um, and then the following summer, I made Aliyah. So um, I had, again, I had like a huge reputation of being a dancer. And I love teaching, I love dancing, but I, I didn't know if I really wanted to go down that route and that path. I didn't know what it actually meant. And someone said, why don't you go check out a rural college? Um, because they have this great dance program where you come out with a, a BED, a bachelor's in dance education and a teaching certificate. So um, I was really intrigued with that. I ended up applying and getting in and graduating from there. Um, and that was all while I was single I had some time to, to myself to really work on um, fine-tuning my skills as a dancer. That's where I learned um, ballet and modern and, um, and a lot of teaching methods. And um, so I fine-tuned my skills and my teaching capabilities. 
And then afterwards I worked and uh, I worked very hard um, building my brand and my career. And then at one Tubishvat, I went with some friends to a wine tasting event. I had no clue it was like a singles event, but thank God it was because that is where I met Levy, my husband, the Russian speaker of which you speak. <laughs> and um, ever since we've been uh, we've been drunk together, drunk in love. <laughs> That's just an awesome story. You did give us tiny bits, but I could definitely, I never knew that you went to college. Oh, yeah, yeah. I graduated a rote college in, in Elkanah, Israel. That's amazing. Yeah, it was very important to me to have the right education to be able to do what I can do at the best of my ability. I guess my stereotype was if you're a hip-hop dancer, the, the culture, the subculture that goes with it is like, I'm not going to college, you know? So I guess <laughs> I didn't expect that. So that's a cool fact to know. And I, not to say that you respect people who have an education more, but I, I never studied to be you know, a singer or teach music. I studied music. I didn't study to teach it. So mad respect there because you're you're qualified. But you could tell that you're qualified by watching your videos. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about the struggles of your music career. Be- being that you are an Orthodox female dancer living in Israel, what are your challenges? Maybe you have special opportunities because of what you're doing, because people like to say, oh, it's a niche market, so it's easier to promote yourself, there's less competition. We'd like to hear more about your challenges and anything else you'd like to add. So challenges, whew. There have not been a small amount of challenges uh, for any dancer in this industry as a religious woman choosing not to perform in front of men. Um, let's say, what when has it been easy? Let's try to go that route, that'll be easier to answer. Um, but, um, I've always been someone who goes on my own path, regardless of what the repercussions are. I mean, I made Ali on my own as do a lot of people, but it's still a very difficult decision. Um, I decided to not care (laughs) about the difficulties that, that would ensue from choosing this path. And I said, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to get this education. I continued taking classes whenever I went back to America um, in Broadway Dance Center. Um, later on in life, after I was married um, with my second daughter, uh, we went to LA. I took some classes there with my husband. And um, we just, um, I just decided that whatever challenges come and kind of hit me in the face, I'm just going to work through it. So, like, one challenge was you're a dancer. Um, a from girl dancing, you're not allowed to do this, 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 and that. And I said, okay, well, what do I want to do? First of all, I don't care for that. I don't care for that. I don't care for this, but I do like entertaining. Yeah. I like performing in front of women. I like giving them something, whether it's an emotion or whether it's just like the wow factor, just whatever it is that I can give to an audience that I really do enjoy, and I'm not going to say no to that. I'm not going to just throw my hands up and be like, okay, I'm religious. I'm not going to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I chose a college, because it's for women only, and it's a firm environment, and that was really, really special to be a part of. And, um, and you, they give you an audience, audience, 
after every year, they give you a project that you, again, have to choreograph your own piece. It takes me back to uh, sixth grade where uh, um, and one girl in every class in every year gets to choose the entire group to create a class performance. And I love choreographing. I just love creating something from nothing. And I look at a stage as like a box and try and fill it with as much creativity as possible. And I had that opportunity in such a magnanimous way through Oral College and through that end of the year project and that showcase. And I decided one year I'm going to take the entire class and I'm going to just create this creative monster. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And and then the next year I just made it even better. And then the next year I made it even better. And um, it was just something that that was one of the challenges. Like, And, and this is something that I heard on uh, previous episodes of your show that um, all of us so far are from and we all face the same challenge of, of how can we how can we showcase our talents and give what we have and our talents and our skills, what we love to do, how can we give it to others? And this was a wonderful way that I actually could take that challenge and make it into something really awesome and really, really great. I hope that answered your question. It does, but it brings up so many more (laughs) questions. I like performing more than I like teaching. Okay. And it's, and it, it makes it harder because it's so much harder to find places to perform. And and with the limited, okay, I guess I'm a big complainer, <laughs> but even the performing places I do perform, it's not ideal and, and the sound system is not as nice and there's no stage or there's like, or I'm cut off in the middle and told to, you know, that we're overtime. So it's not ideal right now. I, I don't leave a performance feeling, wow. This is really just what I wanted. It's usually, oh, I should have done this. This didn't happen. That was wrong. This went wrong. So I, I find I find it a blessing that you like teaching. That that's your passion. It also leads into the videos that you do because you you take videos. I don't know how fast you you choreograph these dances, but I see like a new video every week or every other week. I don't know how mm-hmm. fast these dancers are learning all these. Uh, choreography pieces but you're just a beast you have these creations and they just happen and you you post these videos and it's amazing that you're able to just channel your passion for dance and and just produce so much so I really admire that and I remember when we spoke about you're welcome when we spoke on the phone a couple months back before we uh, decided to do our project, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. Dum, dum, dum. You were telling you were telling me how dance it's so much harder for dancers because where are we supposed to showcase our dancing? Like singing, you have Kalisha, it's on the man. I don't know. You were telling me about how it's even harder for dancers for dancers, and I never even thought about the dancers. I was just too busy in my misery and my challenges. So. Could you tell us a little bit more about why it's harder for the dancers than the singers? If we had Absolutely. to make a hierarchy, I would say the the instrumentalists have it the easiest, assuming you're a good instrumentalist. And then you would have the singers and then the dancers. And I don't know where theater right now fits in. Um, I We haven't really interviewed so much theater. Well, Miriam Lake, I'm Leo. Okay, but I'll let you take the stage from here, the mic. Oh. 
Okay, so there were a whole bunch of things that you brought up that were so, so interesting and, and I want to touch on. Um, I want to take it back a little bit. Um, you mentioned how, how, how it's interesting how I enjoy teaching as opposed to performing. And um, I tried performing professionally and I tried to make a living off of it. And I just hit a reality that this is not going to create revenue for me. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how good or how bad I am or how interesting or how uninteresting. It's just, it doesn't really matter because of the choices I make in my life. And that's totally fine with me. So I, I doubled down on a different strength of mine, which was teaching. And, um, and I went that venue and, and teaching can be very difficult, especially since I've grown my student base in one of the studios that I teach in now in a road Habama in Nevaseret. I've grown my student base there from eight, eight girls we had six years ago. This year we have 140 students. Oh my God. So it gets increasingly, yeah, it gets increasingly more difficult as we get more students. And I love a challenge. I just love it. Um, so when I doubled down on that strength, I realized, um, and aside from like um, wanting to make a living and wanting to build a career, it's also when I noticed I have another crazy hobby. I would call it. I have a sickening disease called wanderlust. I need to be moving around and traveling the world and just seeing new places. And I realized that you need money for that. <laughs> you just absolutely need funds in order to get around. And um, it was just something that was kind of like a light bulb over my head. Like, you know what? You need to create something that, that will sustain you financially and mentally. So that's where the two came in. That's where the teaching and the dancing came in. And one of the things that gives me the most satisfaction, um, sometimes even more than performing on my own, is watching my students perform my choreography. There's nothing more I shep nachas from, aside from my daughter's dancing, but there's nothing more that I shep nachas from than watching my students at the end of the year or in the middle of the year performance just killing my choreography and my ability to portray my vision to them and then being able to execute it. It's just something so incredible to that, something so magical that you really can only get if you're a teacher. You know, you can't get that feeling. I'm sure all the other teachers who are listening here can understand that and, and relate to that. It's just really something magical and something that I would never trade for anything in the world to get to see that and to be behind the scenes and watch them enjoy themselves and get that much value and that much enjoyment that I know I felt when I, I feel when I perform. And, um, so that's something that fuels my desire to teach. Um, and what was the last thing you, you had mentioned? The hierarchy. Why is it high, harder for dancers yes. than singers? Why it's harder for dancers than singers. I mean, let's take, let's step out of our, um, modern Orthodox or any kind of Jewish sect bubble for a second. Let's look at Beyonce and her backup dancers. Her backup dancers get no credit whatsoever other than the dance industry. Like I know some of the backup dancers. I don't even know them by name, but I know them by fee. But do I know Beyonce? Absolutely. I know her name. It's like a one name person. I don't even know her last name. Okay, I do know her last name. But the point is that I know her more than I know her dancers. And it, it's like an epidemic all over 
entertainment industry where dancers don't get enough slack or they don't even get enough attention and exposure for their skills and talents that they that they put in all those training all those years of training um sometimes more than singers sometimes less you know you can't really compare them always but it's just it's so silly and so sad and thank god these like video these uh reality tv shows of dance competitions have popped up left and right and it really brings it really exposes the skills that it takes and the uh, the education that it takes behind becoming a professional dancer. And I'm really grateful for that. But let's, let's return back to our, our world, our bubble for a second. So it's very, it's, it's a lot easier to hire a singer to entertain a crowd, um, like a religious women's crowd than it is to hire dancers to entertain a religious women's crowd from my experience. I may be wrong. Maybe someone that maybe a different dancer can, can come in and say, you're totally wrong, Arkella, and I would love to hear that. But from my experience, it has been, um, it's just, it's a lot easier for anyone creating a production or an event that's women only to hire one one man show, a one singer show, as opposed to maybe like a five or up to 20 people dance troupe. Um, and it's a lot less um, actually it may, may not be a lot less equipment because you do have instruments. So, uh, the singers do have that, but it's just, you have so many more opportunities as singers to really just come in, pop in and do your thing and leave. Um, and with the dancers, it's, I've haven't seen enough attraction, enough attention, enough desirability in dancers that people are willing to say, Hey, we want you to be our either starting lineup for a singer or even um, we want you to be the main act for the show. It's happening and it's really great to watch. And um, one of my troops in the Hallelujah Dance Studio in Jerusalem, um, which is a religious women's studio, we have a performance coming up um, in Petah Tikva on Hanukkah. So that is great. It is happening. And people are definitely looking for hip hop troops. So it's a, that's definitely a leg in for me. But um, it's still very, very difficult just in general in our in our religious industry and even harder for dancers. Let's take the radio station, for example. Right, This radio station has just popped up. It's impossible to feature dancers on a radio station, 100%. right? It's just impossible. Uh, radio is radio. It will always be radio. What's great is that the Facebook group, um, Kolisha, you do have the visual aspect. So that's been really nice for me that I get to put up my videos there. And um, I don't even know how to give more examples. It's just, it's just a reality. It's just the reality of life in general that, I mean, take YouTube and copyright issues. You have singers who are coming up with covers of songs. No issue with copyright. No, no slaps on the wrist or strikes against you for copyright. Um, if you're singing your own cover of a famous song. I take the song and I do my own version of a cover of a dance to it, but I use the original song and it's blocked or my YouTube channel gets taken down. It's just a lot of that's terrible. I had of, no uh, idea. Barriers. So there are a lot of barriers for dancers to make it. And I find that it's, I am not a singer, so I can't exactly say how easy or how hard it is to be a singer, but I see that it's easier to, to expose your content as a singer than it is as a dancer. 
Wow, that's really eye-opening, and I've you've touched on this when we spoke first the first time, but it goes a lot deeper, and there's a lot more obstacles that you face. It puts things into perspective for me. Let's just put it that way. You mentioned uh, choices you made, and that's and that's what sort of led you into what you ended up choosing. I don't remember exactly the phrasing you used, but would you mind sharing with us what those choices were? In relation to my career, is that what you're asking? I think so. Or Aliyah? No, I remember think the career. What my career, uh, the choices I've made. Well, I, again, I always make um, I make choices sometimes um, a little too quickly, based on my intuition and based on what I like and what I don't like, without thinking about what everyone thinks most of the time. <laughs> so it's the choices that I've made. I'm trying to think of a good choice to give you. Um, I mean, Aliyah was actually a good career choice. And forget about the fact that if I never made Aliyah, I would never meet my husband who made Aliyah from Russia. So there's a good choice for you. (laughs) I I guess I was more referring to you're on the hip hop side and knowing the more right wing part of Orthodox Judaism, they're absolutely not okay with hip hop because you shouldn't be able to move your bodies in certain ways. (laughs) <laughs> that make you look in a certain way. So I think that's where my questions were more. <laughs> I find that my choreography is very versatile. Um, you can see a whole bunch of my videos, like for anyone listening, you can watch my videos on my different socials on YouTube or Rise, or that's more of my old school stuff before they started hitting us with copyright issues. And for some of my newer stuff, you can watch my videos on Instagram on RackRise, R-A-Q-R-A-I-Z. And um, you'll see see the dancers. Yeah, great. You'll see the dancers standing next to me. Um, I I mainly post from the studio in Mivasaret, and they happen to be all secular. And um, you'll see that my choreography will look so different on different dancers. And you take, like, I have an assistant who's, like, a model. She's gorgeous. She's stunning. And she's a little sultry for a teenager. And she's doing my choreography in such a way that I would have never been capable or even want to do because it's not my style, but it's my choreography. And I love that. I love that I can give people a kind of vessel where they can do whatever they want with it. And that's what's also kind of fun being the teacher. Um, And then I take the same choreo which um, unfortunately you don't see these videos from the Hallelujah Dance Studio because it's all religious women, uh, many of them Haredi, and they prefer not to put it up even on the Kolisha site. So um, you don't see those, but they, they're, the dancing will look so differently. You can come and watch us live if you're in Petah on the 14th of December. We have a performance then. I'll be performing too, which will be, uh, it's been a long time coming for me to be back on stage. And um you'll see that the, the choreography just looks so different on different people. And um, I don't even remember what the question was now at this point, but that was fun to mention. <laughs> so maybe we can move on to another question. Yeah, sure. So I'm not sure I got where I wanted to, but I like what you said. So I'm happy I asked that question, whether we got to that answer or not. Okay. Um, so you did mention a little bit of, about being an inventor and entrepreneur. If you could just give us a few lines and information about that, because I think it's so cool. Sure. So at first, choosing hip-hop was my first uh, entrepreneurial decision. 
because I saw that there was such a huge market for, for hip hop. I saw how people reacted to hip hop when I would dance and when, when um, I would teach. And it just created this value to other people, which again is something so important to me to create value and give to other people and not just take. Um, not just take their money or not just take their time and their attention to give something. So that was my first choice as an entrepreneur to really go down that route. And um, later on in life, I um, I realized there's more, I have more skills outside of dance even that I can really tap into. My husband is an entrepreneur and he works in high tech and he's doing all these fun things and we teamed up together and we created an Amazon account where we sell different products that have nothing to do with dance, which is kind of fun and refreshing and just different. And, um, and on the other side, we started, um, a vlog, a video blog where we document our travels because my husband has the same problem of wanderlust where we just love traveling. We need to be in different places in the world and experience different things. So we started creating and documenting, our trials, tribulations, and triumphs of traveling with two toddlers and keeping kosher. And um, we just kind of highlight the different places we go and the different communities that we're a part of. And you can check that out on Instagram also in um, on the Rise family. That's we'll so cool. add that link too. Yes, we'll add all the links. This is amazing because it yeah. also gives your fans a way to connect to you on a personal level. Which is what my Absolutely. podcast is about. <laughs> um, yes, which so, is what I love about this, by the way. Um, for everyone listening, this is just such a great, great opportunity for us all, and and it really like it's an insight. It's like a peek inside of our of the um, artist's private lives, and this who doesn't want to take a peek into other people's lives, right? It's kind of fun, especially, especially if you see their videos or if you hear them singing. It, it's always nice. So this is really great that you created this outlet. So thank wow. you to you. Thank you, and I, I'll give Rivka Harris, who is who came up with this idea and told me I should do it, so I'll, I'll give her a shout-out here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our exciting release that is coming up, Hanukkah. Yes. Hopefully, we're, we're planning things for it, and we had ups and downs throughout the project. The, the part of the video that I'm in, um, I'm actually nine months pregnant, and I gave birth like three days after filming my part. So let me know, check it out. And um, (laughs) maybe you could tell us a little bit, since I was super busy, like giving birth and having a baby, could you tell us uh, about what was going on in Israel at the time? Because I had nothing to do with that part. Uh, Yeah, so we we took the religious women's troupe that I was telling you about before. Uh, We took the women who were really psyched about being in a music video and, um, and they were so, so thrilled just with this opportunity to have a chance to be in a professional videotape videographer, like with a professional videographer and to be in this music video and do professional dancing. And it was just a wonderful experience for them all. So they really appreciated it. They've been all dying to see this video. They haven't seen it yet. Wait, have we mentioned that it's a music video that we're collaborating on? Did we even say what, we're, what okay, we did? Okay, so the, the project <laughs> is one of my songs and it's basically – Two separate entities, a dance uh, studio led by, well, the the hip-hop troupe, that's the Hallelujah hip-hop troupe led by Raquela, and I'm just doing the singing part and the song is in the background, but it's it's an equally partnered up project, and it's 
Well, I did it mostly because it's awesome entertainment during a music video. Who wants to just look at me the whole time? But also, it's an awesome platform for dancers to be able to dance. And I love, I'm partnering up with different dancers through who have all different kinds of backgrounds. So this was definitely a first for to have. So I'm not sure, are the women in the group um, religious, secular? There's a mix. There's a mixture of different um, different people. There were two women who decided not to partake in it. Um, and then there were women who were just thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we had last year, we had some women who were secular who this year went on to finish their degrees in, in college. And we have some women who were like in after college, we have an older woman. And it's just an, an eclectic group of women who come together for the opportunity to dance when they don't necessarily have other opportunities. So we have secular, we have religious, Karate, we have Umi, modern orthodox. Um, and it was just a lot of fun just filming this whole thing. We, um, we got my friend who I've done other videos with, who is so professional and so creative, so, so creative in bar Marshall. She's, uh, she was, she videotaped it and directed and helped me direct the video for the dancing part. And, um, it was just like, it was so much fun, <laughs> professional and fun and the way it should be. That's really incredible. I'm so excited to release it to, to the world, to the women. I totally lost track of what I wanted to say. It was really cool. But I guess my <laughs> next question, and we'll close up with that is what are your dreams? What's coming, what's coming up next in your career and what are you doing to get there? So my dreams are multifaceted. Faceted, I think that's the right word. Yeah. But it's just so, so different than what you would expect. And um, I love taking my biggest dreams and aspirations because I'm a very uh, ambitious person. And I love saying them out loud because then I have um, a certain responsibility to follow up on it. I, so as I said before, I love traveling. And I love entertaining. So my dream <laughs> is to either own a private jet. <laughs> or Dreaming big. <laughs> exactly. Dream big or go home, baby. So either own a private jet or be able to charter a private jet. Go travel around the world. And something that I actually looked into, um, you'll, if anyone looked at our travels on Instagram, you'll see that we were in Thailand this past summer. Um, the owner of the the rental that we stayed in, he's um, he has a lot of connections with the locals in Kosamoy where we were. And I asked him, are there any local orphanages or any schools that are in session in the summer that I could just come and give a class in, give a, a dance class in, a hip hop class in? I did some research and there was like nothing I could find. There were no hip hop studios that came up in Google, nothing. I asked around and I figured like while I was there, I would just ask if there's something I can do just to give a class. And with something that I've done in Russia before, where I just give a class for fun to locals, like to uh, from where my husband is from. I just gave a class one day in their local uh, JCT. So I tried to do that in Thailand. So my and it, it didn't work out because of the timing and everything. We were only there for eight days. But my dream is to be able to just hop on a jet and be like, hey, I'm coming to to Vietnam for a week. Um, and I'll hop into an orphanage there as to children here or, or women here anywhere and just give a hip hop class that they can just have fun in. 
The traveling. So that would be something really cool. <laughs> That's very cool. It's combining yeah. all your areas together, and it's the traveling hip hop class. That's really cool. Yeah. You're super creative, ambitious, and you are a hustle. Um, <laughs> so this it was amazing to have you on the show. Raquel is super talented. Make sure to like sign up and subscribe to everything she has. We'll post my socials for we'll, everyone to follow. Yes, make we'll sure they can the get access to it all. Yeah. And make sure to check out the video that's coming out. Uh, this, well, we, we recorded this a week before, but it's coming out Hanukkah. So stay tuned. We, I think we're releasing it a few days before the podcast is going to be released. Anyway, this is fun, fun. I'm sorry about my logistical coordination here. Raquel Arise, thank you so much for being on The Francisca Show. We wish you much luck. Uh, make sure to go see her perform in Petach Tekva and join her pop-up traveling hip-hop class whenever Raquel is in your town. So stay tuned. <laughs> join us again next week. Happy Hanukkah! Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.